2: the answer. Yes, indeed it is. And hour number two is underway now at nine minutes past ten o'clock on this Wednesday, the 17th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. A little reminder, we do not have a live show on Good Friday. We will have a best of show, so some of the more intriguing and entertaining and informative interviews and segments that we've had over the last several months. We'll kind of pool them all together for a best-of show on Friday morning. So uh, obviously we wish you a very blessed Easter week and, of course, a very holy and blessed Easter weekend to come. Uh, we continue onward now on this Wednesday edition. We want to welcome, as I promised, Alana Mestrangelo. She uh, formerly worked with Turning Point USA. It is now a campus reporter, shining a spotlight on uh, all of the snowflakery and anti-constitutionalism going on in our nation's indoctrination centers, otherwise known as colleges, for Breitbart News. Alana, back on. Alana, can you hear me?
3: Hello? Yeah, yep. cut out for a second. Hi. Sorry about that.
2: Good to have you. How well, are you okay. this morning?
3: I'm good.
2: How are you? I am fantastic. Great to have you back. And I'm, uh, I've am i got so many things I want to talk to you about, including some of the uh, uh, great work that you're doing reporting on Campus Insanity for Breitbart News. And I want to talk about your uh, alma mater and some things that are going on there as well. But as you know, Ilana, the reason I reached out to you is because of a great tweet that you put out uh, yesterday uh, that I read uh, talking about um, Eric Swalwell, uh, Eric Swalwell, one of the uh, m- millions of it seems like anyway, this massive cesspool of Democrat candidates for president uh, has declared that if you don't turn over what he describes or defines as an assault rifle, if he's in charge, uh, an assault weapon, if you will, you're going to jail. I wonder how that sits with a Second Amendment-supporting lifetime NRA member like Alonimus Tranquilo.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, the thing is, uh, you know, he says the term assault weapon, but <laughs> that's exactly it is what is the definition of an, uh, an assault weapon. That could be anything. I mean, right now he, he is describing them as, first of all, semi-automatic, which is virtually every gun out there except for, right. what, single-shot pistols and revolvers. So basically everybody's guns um and then you know he says he wants to ban semi-automatics but then he says in the same breath you can keep your pistols and your shotguns oh he doesn't know what he's talking about so (laughs) for somebody who's making his entire campaign about you know anti-guns at least figure out what guns are what what's a semi-automatic what are you you know so that's basically where that is but that's why he's making his campaign about that is because he doesn't know what he's talking about if he knew he wouldn't
2: yeah, bothered, and, you, and you know what, Alana? Even if he did understand the difference between semi-automatic and automatic, and by the way, the other term that bothers me, in addition to assault weapons, is military. He uses that phrase to military-style weapons, as if our 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 uh, uh, Marines and and soldiers are out there fighting with semi-autos and AR-15s and not fully automatic weapons when they're in firefights. Uh, he, he doesn't know, but even if he did know the yep. difference between semi-automatic and automatic, Alana, the idea that again uh he is essentially saying. We are going to repeal if I'm in charge the second amendment. You're not allowed to have those weapons. We will outlaw them and if you do, we are going to lock you up. That's the part of this that really, you know, I think stands out here. Uh he's the first one to literally say we will put you in jail if you have one of these weapons that we decide you cannot have. We'll we'll take the place of the founding fathers and we'll uh uh you know, we're just going to essentially repeal the second amendment uh, as we decide. Yeah,
3: that's the thing. He has very little understanding essentially it you know boils down to that he does not understand that he is a public servant he is subordinate to the american people our founding fathers put in place these rights or they they put in place these amendments the bill of rights to keep government subordinate to the people the problem is that swalwell thinks that the government can take these rights because he believes that they were given to us by government but the truth is the second amendment it actually, it doesn't actually grant us the right to bear arms. It prevents the government from infringing on our right to bear arms because man cannot grant you the right to defend your life. It is an unalienable right that we're already automatically born with. So that's just something that, you know, he thinks the Second Amendment, and I think that's where he doesn't understand how the Second Amendment plays out. He thinks it's a law granting us some kind of a right, but it's just recognizing that, you know, we're born with these rights, and the second amendment means shall not infringe it's to keep government subordinate in the same way the first amendment is to keep government subordinate shall not you know cannot infringe on our first on our rights to free speech so it's just something that he has very little understanding of which is you know he just he's forgotten his role he's forgotten that he is he his role is to serve the people not to dictate what the people do
2: yeah and you know what 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 it appears as though that he is in a race um with the rest of his his democrat colleagues who want to run for president and again there's probably about 25 of them already who's uh, who have been identified and there may be more to come um uh, uh, they're all racing to the left they're all racing to be as big government authoritarian potentially socialist uh as possible and they're trying to race one another to say no i'm bigger than i'm i'm going to be more uh uh punitive toward people who engage in their constitutional rights than you are i'm going to take away their rights to uh their own healthcare decisions i'm the one who wants to put medicare for all in play i'm the one who wants to put uh, the second amendment on notice and take away their opportunities to defend themselves that's the problem here is they did forget as you pointed out their job here is to serve the people not make servants of the people and that, i think that's what uh what, what Eric Swalwell and the rest of them are are essentially missing.
3: Yeah, they've just you know they've increasingly gotten more more and more radical, more and more to the left. But in the end, I think that they're all really you know, they're all really fighting very hard to lose to Donald Trump. That's essentially what they're doing. So (laughs) by behaving this (laughs) by behaving this radical, you know, if they want to fight it out and see who gets to be the the big loser in twenty twenty, then that's their prerogative. They they have a lot to work to do or they have a lot of work to do with their party and kind of reclaim that kennedy-esque they need to go back to what democrats used to be because they have lost all every logical thinker has all you know come over to to the right and mm. and maybe that's why they're acting more radical because their constituency maybe they believe that this is what works
1: is a more
3: is a more leftist radical
2: attitude toward everything so well that's yeah that that you know what you're you're on it which is which is a perfect segue because i want to talk about what you're doing now for breitbart first of all you've been with breitbart for what about six months or so i think uh you you went to uh, breitbart Uh, from turning point in uh around october november somewhere in that area uh first of all Mm -hmm. congratulations on that that's awesome and And what you're doing is as a campus reporter is that's again that's why this is a perfect segue they're racing to the left and they 're racing to radicalism because they need to appeal to young radical voters who are being radicalized on all of our college campuses and quite frankly and obviously on far too many high school and even middle middle school grounds as well um Tell me how have have your eyes been further open since you started working as a campus reporter for Breitbart? I mean I know you encountered a lot of this at turning point mm-hmm. uh, but specifically I mean the, the indoctrination centers are getting worse than I think even you know any of us uh, could have imagined in our um, you know in our greatest fears as far as what they're doing to young voters
3: Yeah well, what's getting what's getting uh, pretty bad is that they it's not isolated to one school it's happening all over the country. Oh, yeah. Um, and it just, they're kind of, they're normalizing these ideas that speech, you know, speaking freely equals violence, or if somebody feels a certain way when they hear certain speech, it needs to be censored. Um, so, you know, these students are having very little understanding of what the first amendment is. So forget about the second amendment. I mean, they don't, we haven't even started, we haven't even started to begin to understand the first. So, um, you know, just a couple weeks ago at Texas State University, there was, you know, the student government voted to ban a Turning Point USA chapter uh, on the grounds of protecting free speech. Somehow they made (laughs) these, they they made these loopholes, or I don't know, they, they
2: They want to protect free speech by banning Turning Point USA speech.
3: yeah, they argued, you know, we'll protect free speech by censoring this conservative group, because they somehow <laughs> made the argument that this group, I don't know, I don't even know how this, happened. <laughs> and the thing is, it's not even, I mean, this is a student government voting this way, and, you know, these, these students are going to graduate, and they're going to enter the workforce, and you know, how are they going to apply these views that, they, that they've that they learned in college, how are they going to apply them to the real world, I mean, so, and it's happening all over the place, so it's, just, it's, it's interesting.
2: The other thing that I wanted to ask you about as it pertains to all of this, Alana, we're talking to Alana Mastrangelo. She, again, is a campus reporter for Breitbart News. Uh, she is a graduate of John Carroll University. And John Carroll was a big topic on our program last week, and it's going to continue to be, some, uh, be one until we get answers from some of their uh, faculty and administration for what they're doing as it pertains to uh, what you just talked about, censorship, censorship of free speech. And I don't know if you followed this very closely or not, but uh mm-hmm. there's a sophomore student named Declan Leary who was a uh, uh, an op-ed writer. Actually, he was in one of the editors for the uh, the Carroll News, and he wrote a piece last fall, right about the time you were joining a uh, uh, Breitbart. I think it was around October. He wrote a piece last mm-hmm. fall condemning and criticizing the university's sponsored drag show, their annual drag show. Did they have that when you were on campus?
3: Not that I know of. <clears throat>
2: I okay, think so, I think but- it's been going on for, I think it was going on for around four years or so, and uh, he came in and he said, why are we doing this? Why is this Christian-slash-Catholic-slash-Jesuit institution uh, allowing this uh, this perversity to go on on campus, especially, you know, paid for by uh, the university facilities and so on and so forth? And so he wrote an op-ed that just opposed that. Naturally, he became the target of the LGBTQ community on uh, the campus. Uh, they have made his life a living hell for the last six months. Finally, they put out just last month um, a pamphlet, an LGBT uh, a pamphlet which Targeted this young man, uh, and what he wrote and essentially kind of making him public enemy number one. He responded to it with another op ed in the Carroll News in which he defended himself and criticized it. And now he has been essentially booted from the newspaper. He's not allowed to express his opinion and he has been targeted by mem- members of faculty on campus for simply being, uh, a believer in the Jesuit teachings and Catholic doctrine upon which it is based at this Jesuit university. So Alana, what I'm asking you: Did you ever take a class from uh, a history professor named Kilbride by chance?
3: Um, I don't think so.
2: Okay. Um, the reason I bring him up is, um, when, uh, when they booted him from the newspaper, they replaced him with a leftist, uh, another leftist uh, writer who wrote a piece attacking him. Attacking the now mm-hmm. uh, you know removed student from the newspaper, and the professor Professor Kilbride responded to that article by doubling down and suggesting maybe the reason he is so anti drag show and anti lbgtq events going on on campus is because he must be closeted uh, a closeted gay he must be gay himself, so they used homophobia to condemn him for homophobia and essentially the censorship of a young student and the targeting of a young student who very well may be in in jeopardy now on campus so anyway all that's going on on your um, uh, alma mater's campus right now alana and uh, your reaction
3: yeah i mean that just goes back to the censoring of speech and and normalizing this kind of a thing that some one person's speech because it offends certain groups is going to has to be censored. And now it's a one-way street. You know, they, they say you can't demean somebody's identity. I, they were saying, they said something about, um, uh, they argued that, you know, free speech needs to make everybody feel safe essentially. And the student newspaper came out with a, with a statement saying something along those, along those lines. So, okay. So, well, first of all, that's not what free speech is, number one. But number two, even if we were to entertain that notion for a second, it's not making everybody feel safe when you're making it a one-way street and one person or one, you know, one side can argue, whatever say whatever they want, uh, staff and students. It's interesting that there's also staff involved. Um, but and then, you know, you censor the other side. And uh, and then on top of that, too, the student newspaper also called him out by name. You know, they released a public statement naming right. the student. Right. So now you've created this environment where you, basically the, the school is putting him on blast in front of the entire, um, you know, the entire campus community. So they don't seem to be too, you know, concerned about what's going on with, you know, if he's going to, if there's going to be any kind of, violence or any result of that.
2: Yeah, his safety could be in jeopardy here, all because of their far-left agenda and and their demand to silence a conservative voice. One, by the way, and this is the part that's so frustrating, Alana, one that is simply speaking out in favor of Jesuit traditions. Church doctrine. He's simply mm-hmm. saying You're we are Jesuit JCU, school. which is a Jesuit school. Shouldn't we live by that code? Shouldn't we, you know, shouldn't we make decisions on this campus by that code? And for expressing that, that Jesuit opinion, he has been targeted, like you said, and, in, and, in, in, uh, potentially even put in jeopardy. Um, and by the mm-hmm. way, none of the, uh, advi- or the faculty that I've reached out to, and I reached out to the to Carol News, um, uh, uh, faculty advisor, the one who wrote and named him and put him on blast, like you pointed out. What is her name? Uh, I, I emailed her.
3: You can, and- I think.
2: Uh, yeah, Buchanan. That's right. Buchanan. Yeah. And I asked her to come on and defend that. And then I also emailed the uh, professor who essentially tried to shame Declan Leary by saying, you must be a closeted gay. That's the reason you're so obsessed with the LGBT stuff. Uh, neither one of them are going to come on the radio because neither one of them know they can defend. They, they like bullying sophomore students, but arguing and debating somebody who's older than, you know, 19 years old is apparently a little bit too much for them because they won't come on the air with me. Uh, I, I hope you'll do a report, uh, uh, in, and maybe you have already started that, uh, Alana, because you're you know you're a campus reporter for Breitbart. But I hope you'll go out there and and shine a uh, light on this thing and take this thing national.
3: Thanks. Yeah. No, I definitely. If there's anything else, I'm gonna I'll definitely follow up on it. Because awesome. It's a shame that it's going on. So.
1: It
2: really it really is, Alana. Listen, you're doing great work for Breitbart. Keep it up. Thank you so much for coming on with us. I really am happy for your success, and I hope we can talk again soon. Sure. Thanks.
3: Thanks for
2: having me. Thank you. Alana Mastrangelo, a campus reporter for Breitbart News, John Carroll University graduate, so she's a local girl. She's doing great things, and we're back after this. All right, a short segment here, obviously, because we're coming up on the bottom of the hour. News went a little bit long with Alana Mastrangelo, but uh, some very important stuff going on there. After the news, I want to invite you to dial again, 216-901-0945. 888-281-1110. 888 We are guest-free for the next 30 minutes until we uh, wrap it up and send it to Mike Gallagher. So this is a great time to dial. If you dial now, you will not be on hold very long. I want to take your phone calls on the values of the pods they claim they want the high moral ground they claim that they are the party of values meanwhile they stand on a pile of dead bodies numbers of which i can share with you after the news dial us up 2169010945 next on am 1420 the 1034 now the Bob France Authority continuing on this Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. Thanks again to Alana Mestrangelo from uh, Breitbart News. Join us to talk about some important stuff. Last segment, leave it to Ken in Lagrange Township. <laughs> I just teased, uh, you know, the uh, open phone lines the rest of the way because we are guest free until eleven o'clock. And I said you can call this phone number or you can call that phone number, and if you don't want to do that, you can tweet to me at this uh, Twitter handle or you can Facebook comment to me at this Twitter handle or this Facebook handle and leave it to Kenny to uh, find a- another way. <laughs> I don't do emails on the radio anymore. It's just so 1999. Uh, that's just, you know, I mean, I did. We took emails and faxes from listeners on the air in 99. And it, it mattered then, too. It was so funny. I mean, I started radio in 97. Right around 99, we were like, you know, uh, call this number or fax your thoughts to us at this phone number. Um Technology has advanced a little bit. We do a little bit differently now, but Kenny always sends me emails. And 99% of the time, I don't get them because I don't check them until after the show. And I feel bad. This time, I happen to see this on my email inbox from Kenny in LaGrange Township. So here we go. Bob, darn it. Donnie took my thunder. But more importantly... How can these guys claim to be values-oriented? He's, of course, talking about Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders and AOC, Kelly Bundio-Cortez. How can they claim to be values-oriented when they shun the word of God by laying with other men? They use their lifestyle as a weapon against people who have actually have who actually have and live according to their Christian beliefs. Just as Alabama Obama used his skin color as a coat of armor, these homosexuals are using their gayness as a coat of armor. Are we afraid to call them out as being not so value-oriented? Thanks much, Kenny in Lagrange Township. And Kenny, my response to that is going to be: It is not our place. Truly, it is not our place to tell anybody how to live. It's not. I'm not going to sit here and try to impose my belief on somebody else. I don't care, you know, what your, your, your protected class status is. That's not my business. That's not what I'm about here. <clears throat> what I'm about is saying don't use your, uh, victim class status, whether it's by sexual orientation, whether it's by race, whether it's by gender or any of these other kinds of things. Don't use those things to beat me up and force me to change my beliefs or, more importantly, to abandon my principles of my faith. That's the problem here. I don't have a problem with the gay community. I don't have a problem with the homosexual community. People can be who they want to be. You know, they have a choice to make, uh, and and I don't want to even get into that debate about whether it's a choice or whether it's you're born this way or this sort of thing, because those debates and arguments have been going on with doctors and scientists who have been looking for the gay gene versus the non-gay gene, all this stuff, forever. That's not even the point of the discussion. My point is you can be gay, you can be straight, you can be whoever you want, and I am totally fine with that. But don't use your sexual orientation as a tool or as a weapon or as Kenny just said, a coat of armor, to attack my faith, to attack my religion. Don't make me have to bend or break my Christian rules or doctrine because of your personal orientation. You do you, I'll do me. It's like what they did with Masterpiece Cake Shop. It's what they did with uh, Arlene's Flowers. It's what they've done in so many different places to push their agenda by demanding that Christians break their, uh, their faith. And it's just not right. It is just not right. They have done this time and time again, trying to force themselves and their beliefs on Christians. And then when Christians say, no, you can't do that, saying, homophobes! Shut them down. They're homophobes. Look what they're doing to Chick-fil-A. Look what they're doing to Chick-fil-A. Think about that. Chick-fil-A, a Christian-owned uh, fast food restaurant that just happens to be, by the way, the very best chicken like in America, almost agreed upon by everyone, even those who hate them. They, they're so religious. They're so um, <clears throat> proud of their, their Christian faith, are the owners of Chick-fil-A that they are closed on Sundays. What does that mean? Well, you know what that means, right? They respect their employees enough and uh, the holiness of the day to not make them come into work on Sundays. They want to stay closed so that it can be what it truly is supposed to be, a family day. Now, they don't pass judgment on anybody else who does stay open on Sundays, but it's their way. I'm just saying, you know, it's a day for you to be with your family and it's a holy day. You know how much money they sacrifice? There are how many Sundays in a year? 52? You know how much their revenue is per day? Multiply their revenue per day times 52 and probably add to that because it's a Sunday. How many people, tell the truth, how many families don't like to cook on Sundays? They want to go out to eat, they want to have a nice family meal at a restaurant, or they want to go and pick up food to bring home. It's a day of rest. Maybe mom or whoever does the cooking in your house does. Yeah, um, Chick-fil-A could make millions of more dollars per year if they stood up on Sundays, but they didn't because it's their principles. They donate money to organizations like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, like the uh, uh, Family Foundation. there are focus on the family. There are so many organizations that are just strong Christian beliefs, and they are the the number one target for attacks from the wild, radical uh, POSs. You know what POS stands for, right? Maybe you don't. No, it's not what you're thinking. It's the perpetually outraged at society. POS, perpetually outraged at society. They're outraged that this Christian organization... Actually, practices Christianity, and if they don't change their practices, we are going to target them. We are going to shut them down. And that is what the, the, this uh, LGBT community is doing. So again, it's not about your lifestyle choices or who you are, how you orient, whatever your, your belief is. But keep it to yourself. I'm not saying keep it to yourself. We're not saying get back in the closet. Be as proud and as loud as you want to be, but don't force it upon other people and make them violate their religious tenets over it. That's what this is about. So when you're talking about values, how about valuing other people's beliefs and their faith? And by the way, I should point out, this is one of the reasons why I am working with uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. Alliance Defending Freedom is a ministry that is providing legal resources and legal representation to organizations like Masterpiece Cake Shop and like uh, uh, Arlene's Flowers uh, and Bar- Baronel Stutzman and uh, all of the, the caterers and the photographers and the DJ services and uh, uh, fla- florists and others who have been attacked. For not uh, providing their services to same-sex weddings, and saying they're homophobes, this is discrimination. This is this is um, you know attacking. No, 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 no. It's not because there are many, 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 many florist DJs, restaurateurs, uh, uh, caterers, and so on and so forth who are willing to makers who are willing to do all of those things. You are targeting these places because you want them to bend and break. At your whim. And that's wrong. And Alliance Defending Freedom is defending these organizations. That's why I'm partnering with them. ADF has been on the front lines, as you probably know, um, uh, defending your freedoms for a very long time. Here's an example of that. Bob Trent. Uh, Bob Trent is with uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. And um, uh, he's. He, this is something, uh, it's a regular feature we're going to have. It's called the Freedom Minute. Just to kind of let you know what some, some of the uh, important work that ADF is doing on this front.
1: Baronelle Stutzman, a florist, business owner, and grandmother, has been attacked by her state's government in the ACLU. Why? Because she chooses to live her life consistent with her Christian beliefs. Hi, I'm Bob Trent, and this is your Freedom Minute. Baronelle serves everyone who comes into her flower shop. She's loved and served her LGBT customer, Rob, for almost a decade. When Rob asked her to create custom floral art for his same-sex wedding, she knew she had to act consistent with her faith and lovingly referred him to other florists. But the ACLU and the government weren't satisfied with that, so they launched a full-out assault on Baronel and her. If she loses, the ACLU could take everything she owns, her business, her home, and her life savings. Everything. Thanks to your support, Alliance Defending Freedom stepped in and is helping Barronelle. We can not sit idly by and watch as the government takes away our freedoms. When we stand together, we can win. For more information and to help us support your freedoms, visit yourfreedomfund.org. That's yourfreedomfund.org.
2: That's an example of what I'm talking about. It, it, it matters so much. And if you want to help, listen, I'm going to give you a phone number right now. Save it, okay? It's 800-691-8969. 800-691-8969. If you would like to give to the Freedom Fund to help ADF... Defend our freedom, your freedom, and provide the resources needed to fight these critical court battles. Please send a donation to 800-691-8969. If you can afford $10, send $10. If you can afford $50, send $50. Uh, But it is that important. We're going to continue this campaign all summer long because our values uh, depend upon uh, those who are willing to fight for them. 800-691-8969 or online at freedomfund.org. All right, we're going to go to uh, who's been sitting the longest on hold? Bob and Parma, that's who. Bob, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go ahead. Uh,
4: uh, can you hear me okay?
2: Yeah, yes, I do, Bob. I hear you just fine. Go right ahead, sir.
4: Yeah. Uh, Bob, I'm a first-time caller to your show. I was listening to you the other day about your discussion about uh, Bernie Sanders, and mm-hmm. it uh, uh, motivated me to do a little research because back in August of – uh, 2016, mm-hmm. uh, when everybody was making their prognostications about who was going to win, the, win the, the, uh, the presidential race, I discovered a guy by the name of Aubrey Immelman from uh, one of the universities up in Wisconsin or Minnesota who has predicted, has built a model uh, that's predicted, I believe, if I remember right, about four out of the last five presidential elections, he's, uh, his model would have predicted those correctly. And last time around, uh, he, he builds his model based on the way people respond to these different um, candidates, uh, and he has a, 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 he builds a scale with a number of different characteristics like extroversion, narcissism, dominance, introversion, and how conscientious they are, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he he. He goes out and he has some way of polling the the population to find out how people think about these people. Well, last time around, it was pretty clear to me that Trump was going to win because uh, while Hillary's uh, personal electability index was 29 and uh, her husband's formerly was 31 or 32, if I remember right, Donald Trump's was 45. Now, just recently, I thought, well, maybe he's gone out and done a sample for Bernie Sanders. Sure enough, he has. Guess what? His index is
2: 18. <laughs> wow. I, I thought you were going in the other direction. I, I thought you were going to tell me how, al- how alarmed you were that Bernie Sanders was 52 or something because so many people, particularly those who like free stuff, are buying into what he's selling that uh, well, the government will take care of your every need, right. uh, your, every scrap of food you need, oh. every every board of shelter you need, every uh, doctor's appointment you need. We've got you covered here. I thought you were going to go the other direction, but, boy, that's <laughs> staggering.
4: Now, uh, now, for example, John Kasich comes in at fourteen.
2: Wow! And
4: I thought to myself, looking at these things, being an armchair psychologist, <laughs> when I when I thought about Joe Biden and tried to imagine what's his extroversion's number, what's his narcissism's number, what's his dominance number, his introversion number, and his conscientious number. My guess is he's around sixteen. <laughs> That's yeah, his, you know. But you yeah, can go that's to. A, that's Immelman. a pretty
2: good guess. <laughs> I'm not an I'm not an amateur psychologist or psychiatrist, but uh, but I think that's a pretty good guess. Um, but everybody listen,
4: can everybody can go to Immelman.us and look this stuff up for themselves, and it's it's pretty amazing. It's.
2: Uh... I I remember hearing about this. I did not remember his name, and I'm glad you told me this because I remembered hearing about this study shortly after the election. Here's the guy who called it, uh, and I guess he has gotten every election prediction right by. Um, uh, since uh, 1996, since Clinton's second term is is uh, is yeah. when he started doing this. So so he got the 96, 2000, two, two, 2004, eight, twelve, and sixteen elections. Right? That's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Um, and
4: and when you look at the numbers for uh, uh you know, Clinton and hmm. uh, um, Reagan and a number of other people, the scale pretty much intuitively makes sense, you know, if if, if you look right. at it in terms of those characteristics that he's offered. So I just thought you'd well, find that interesting.
2: I, you were correct. You were correct in thinking that, Bob. I do find it very interesting, and I'm going to find that page and bookmark it and watch it and check it as this uh, primary and this uh, election season goes on. So, Bob, thanks yeah. for the call. I appreciate it. You said you're a first-time caller. I hope you call back again sometime. Great. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. God bless. Appreciate the phone call. Very, very interesting information. Um Tony is in South Euclid. Hey Tony, you're on AM fourteen twenty the answer. Go ahead. Tony, can you hear me? Tony, Tony, Tony.
3: There he you is. Okay.
2: Okay? I do now. Sorry about that, but I got you. Go ahead.
5: No, that's okay. Hey, um listen, I um I my position is very neutral, though you may not know it or not. Um, Excuse me, one second.
1: Um,
5: I have a question for you, though, and I know you're a very uh, intelligent man. Um, My question is, what are we... uh, The Bible, I believe, is inconsistent at some point. Are you still there, sir?
2: Yes, I'm listening. Go ahead.
5: Okay. The Bible is inconsistent uh, in a lot of points. This is what I don't understand. The, The Bible does uh mention about um about homosexuality and homosexuality is forbidden versus christianity or uh, in Christianity and other bibles that are written why do we have gay priests and why are they now the churches are now yielding towards this acceptance towards uh, towards homosexuality and being on on a neutral standpoint, can you answer that for me,
2: Tony? That's a that's a question, and thank you for the phone call. I am going to let you loose as I answer it uh, because uh, I've got to get to our break here, and it sounds like you are working or something. Um That is a question I cannot answer, but I do agree with your premise in asking it uh, because we've been talking about this. Why has the modern day church become so at odds with historic church doctrine um and, and and you know you said christianity and i'm and i'm speaking more specifically to catholicism of which i am a member i am a catholic but um the modern day catholic church seems to have parted ways with long-standing historical traditional church doctrine um in a number of ways you what you just mentioned is only one of them uh, there are others the reason's why i don't know because i'm not with the pope on a regular basis i don't sit with the college of cardinals and i don't get access to uh, uh the bishop uh of the cleveland diocese either but i can indeed offer the observation that the church has been shrinking at least in some parts of the country and in particular in a lot of the local parishes near where i live the the the, the church is shrinking Mass attendance, way down. Um, Catholic school enrollment, down. Number of parishes and schools have had to close. Rectories that were once filled with eight to ten priests who rotated masses on a regular basis in the 70s when I was there, or at least when I was a kid, I should say, down to one priest per rectory. Um, It's shrinking. And... I think it's because in the modern day, in this age in which we live, due to our culture, due to our society, due to whatever you want to call it, it's a lot harder to push and preach historical, strict church doctrine. So they've relaxed the rules to make it a little more appealing to people to want to be a part of it, including those who want to devote their lives to it in the priesthood. I think they've relaxed the rules because the numbers are going down, thus the contributions, the charitable outreach, uh, collection baskets, those numbers are going down, and I think they've softened and relaxed the standards to um, uh, to to the more modern time. Uh, that's all I can do is observe it from the outside. I'm not on the inside. I don't know the reason why what you just asked is happening, but that's the way I see it from here, and it is very troubling to many in our community. 10.53, last segment coming up on AM 1420 the end. All right, 10.55, last segment of the broadcast. B.J. in North Olmsted is going to get in next. B.J., go right ahead, sir.
4: I'd like to leave you with a little absurdity. Uh, from South Bend, Indiana, Mayor Pete, that's running for president, if, she, if he should win, and considering the fact that he did announce his husband was in the audience when he was speaking, he would be the first woman president, even though he's in a male body. <laughs> Now, when we talk about absurdities, let's give that a little bit of thought. If there were no religion, I don't think the American public would tolerate this crap that's going on with these people. And You have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you soon. I hope. Uh,
2: th- th- thank, thank you, BJ. I, I appreciate it. That is, uh, that is an interesting way to phrase that. That is a very interesting way to phrase that with all of the uh, – and and by the way, and I, and I can't get into it now, but um, – the identification, self identification, gender identification, and all this other nonsense that's going on. Um, there, I talked about this yesterday. I've got, you've got to see this. It's on my Facebook page. The latest Prager You video is ostensibly about transgenderism and all of the nonsense about pronouns and this and that and the other thing. But it's so much more than that. It's, it's about, you know, whether you identify as a male or a female and all this other garbage that we have allowed ourselves to be dragged into. Um, It's about so much more than that, though. It's about the First Amendment. It's about free speech. It's about forced speech. It's about compelled speech as it pertains to this LGBT mafia. That is so important for you to see. It's five minutes you will not regret spending watching this latest Prager University video. T- check it out. It's on my Facebook page, uh, which is France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio on Facebook, and it's also on my Twitter feed, France Radio. Please watch that video because it's extremely important. It's as important as anything else that I just told you about ADF is doing as far as defending people against the um uh, ridiculous lawsuits that are filed against them as they try to take people's jobs and businesses away from them. Jim is in West Park on AM 1420, The Answer. Jim, good morning.
4: Yes, Um that's... You're right about the church-burning conspiracy. There's been 1,047 Christian churches that have been vandalized in France since 2017. This fire was not started by a spark from a hammer. Now, last night I was listening to a late program, and they have this Don Brown. He wrote, Travesty of Justice. He's trying to get this Lieutenant Clint Lawrence out of prison that got caught by Obama rules for engagement, hes he sounds like a Kirk Schlichter kind of a person. I think he would be great for your radio program.
1: Thank you for taking my call.
2: Thank you for making the phone call, Jim. I appreciate it, and thanks for the tip. I'll see if I can uh, find uh, a little bit more on this person. As far as the church and the cathedral, rather, burning, um, I, I, I might take a slight issue by saying I'm right When you said I'm right as far as the conspiracy, because I'm not alleging one. I'm not alleging one. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. I'm not saying anything didn't happen or did happen. I'm saying I find it very troubling that they went to great lengths to declare this to be an accident while the flames were still burning. They did not begin, let alone conclude an arson investigation, to find out the real cause of that fire, which means they may be interested more in covering something up than the truth. That's all I'm suggesting. We'll see tomorrow. Bye-bye.
1: Enjoy the silence